Well, greetings once again. This is Dr. Bill Bailey, and this is the Traditional Nature Path Podcast. Again, I don't come to you often enough. I know when I do a podcast, but uh, I basically wait until there are things that are interesting and that are uh, important to talk about. And so, again, I apologize for the lack of consistency in terms of time, but I believe the content will be very beneficial to you. The first thing I want to talk about is an article that we have on the Traditional Nature Path blog. And actually, there's a couple of uh, housekeeping things I do want to mention before we get started uh, with today's episode, if you will, of the Traditional Nature Path podcast. Uh, We do have a website, traditionalnaturepath.com. Of course, traditional, T-R-A-D-I-T-I-O-N-A-L, traditional. And then naturopath, N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H.com. Traditionalnaturepath.com all run together as one phrase because of the requirements of internet addresses. So, There you go, traditionalnaturepath.com. That is the blog that I work from for doing the podcast. So I wanted to mention that to you. The other thing I want to mention is is somewhat unusual. I had the opportunity to have these particular podcasts air on an internet radio station. And that internet radio station is WFR.org. It is a Christian radio station. Uh, And I know not everyone that listens to this particular podcast necessarily is Christian, uh, but uh, because the topic of natural health is open and and free to everyone, obviously, no matter what their particular persuasion or belief, uh, and that's fine. But the gentleman who runs this internet radio station uh, is very interested and excited about natural health information, and so he said, I'd like to run your podcast on the radio station. And so... Uh, I appreciate that, and that's really very exciting. Uh, so let me share with you this opportunity to hear uh, the Traditional Nature Path podcast on this Internet radio station. It comes on 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Eastern Time, on WFR.org, Word of Faith Radio. Now, you can listen to that particular station by going to their website, WOFR. and listing right there on the website, or uh, you can use their feed if you are familiar with using uh, particular tools to listen to internet radio, Uh, maybe even have an internet radio, physical radio, Uh, I have one of those myself, and you can tune into the feed, which is feed, F-E-E-D dot W-O-F-R dot O-R-G colon 8000, in other words 8000 is the port that you listen on. So you can set your uh, VLC player or some other kind of player and point to the network address of HTTP colon slash slash feed F-E-E-D dot W-F-R dot O-R-G colon 8000 and you can listen that way. So I wanted to share that with you because I thought it was very exciting that our podcast uh, is available over internet radio. That's that's pretty pretty neat, actually, to think about. So at any rate, wanted to share those things with you, a little bit of news, and then we'll get right into uh, talking about our items here from the blog, thetraditionalnaturepath.com. So, high-dose vitamin C is effective 
but is suppressed by Big Pharma. This is the headline of the article that uh, I posted here. The article actually comes from Natural News, which is uh, a blog and uh, essentially online magazine of information concerning natural health. And the article is talking about the fact that there is a lot of research going on in the cancer-fighting potential of vitamin C. It even made the pages of the peer-reviewed journal Science Translational Medicine. A team of researchers from the University of Kansas tested the effects of vitamin C given in high doses intravenously on a group of human subjects and found that it effectively eradicates cancer cells while leaving healthy cells intact. Now think about this, particularly in relation to the standard treatment for cancer, uh, which is chemotherapy, where they're pumping directly into the uh, patient's body um, deadly chemicals. Chemicals that, matter of fact, I'll share this with you. Uh, My first wife died of of breast cancer, and she um, went through a lot of chemotherapy and, and those kinds of things. And they actually told her that if the chemicals that they were pumping into her veins got on the outside of her body, on the skin of her arm or something, it would actually burn the skin. And so they told her, be very careful, you know, while you're sitting here getting the chemotherapy, don't move around a whole lot and so forth, you know, because this really needs to go inside, inside, not outside your body, because it will it will harm you. And I, I couldn't help but think at the time, if you're pumping some, something into someone that is essentially going to burn your skin like battery acid, what is it doing in the inside of your body? You know, this was way back before I got into natural health. This was... Oh my, a long, 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 long time ago. Uh, but at any rate, even at the time, it gave me pause to think that here were a bunch of doctors pumping this stuff into her that, that they're saying would burn her skin, and yet that's what they're pumping into her body. Of course, she lost her hair and all the different things that occur with chemotherapy, and she was you know, sick to her stomach, and there was a lot of issues involved with that. But now, transpose that against this, where they're... They're giving people intravenous vitamin C, and it effectively eradicates cancer cells while leaving the healthy cells intact. See, that's why people that are taking chemotherapy, that's why they lose their hair. It kills the cells that produce hair. Okay? It affects their body in a way that even the good cells are damaged. Now, a lot of people say, well, yeah, but uh, Dr. Bill there, uh, the benefit is is that it, it kills the cancer cells. Well, yeah, but what if you could do it without damaging your body? That's the point. Now, the article goes on to say that this, uh, this effort, this research, is based on the pioneering research done in the, in the uh, 1970s by the late Linus Pauling, who was a chemist from Oregon State University and is recognized as the, most, the foremost proponent of therapeutic vitamin C. This new research that the University of Kansas is doing involves injecting high doses of vitamin C into human ovarian cells. The cells were conducted in vitro in a lab as well as directly in both mice and a group of 22 human subjects. So in other words, they started in the lab, then they did it to mice, and then they did it to a group of 22 human subjects. Now according to the BBC News, the test showed favorable results in all three models in the in vitro in the lab, the mice, and the human subjects. 
The vitamin C effectively targeted the ovarian cancer cells while avoiding the healthy cells. The benefits of high-dose vitamin C were also observed in conjunction with conventional chemotherapy treatments, which destroy all cells, both healthy and malignant, eventually leading to patient death. Now, one therapy can potentially cause death on its own. The other does not. You'd think this would be a no-brainer, <laughs> to, to put it in a common framework here. You'd think that people would say, oh yeah, this is, this is the way to go. Well, guess what? The problem with this is, is that vitamin C is not a patentable drug. Do you see where we're going with this? Big Pharma would prefer you to use these harsh chemicals because they can patent those, they can sell those, they can market those. But vitamin C? It's just plain old vitamin C. It's a common vitamin, easy to obtain, not very expensive. In other words, as the old saying goes, follow the money. Conventional medicine will use harsh chemicals because they can sell them for excessive, I believe, amounts of money. Personal opinion there, okay? But vitamin C, come on. I mean, vitamin C is not that expensive, even these high doses in liquid form that can be injected uh, intravenously. Now, the article goes on to say, the conventional medical industry's response to these and similar findings over the years has been nothing short of derisive or divisive, <laughs> no derisive, okay, which is to be expected. I want to make sure I'm getting it right. Having to rationalize decades of ushering cancer patients through the gauntlet of chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery with dismal results while ignoring, ignoring natural cancer-fighting alternatives like vitamin C is a hard pill to swallow for this powerful high-profit industry which could rather, which would rather ignore such findings than think critically about them. So, again... These therapies are derided because they are inexpensive and they work very well, but you can't make a lot of money off of them. Now, that's a shame because you would think that the medical and pharmaceutical industry would be more interested in helping people and eliminating disease than making money, but they are businesses and they have to essentially report to their uh, stockholders that they are making money. And so they make decisions based on that. And that is a shame that medical advance is held back simply because you can't make as much money with those things. I saw something recently. They were talking about orphan drugs and orphan diseases. Um, and it was going along these lines. You can develop a pharmaceutical drug that will help fight a disease that has a small group of people that actually have to deal with that disease, and pharmaceutical companies will steer away from that because there's not a big enough group of people that have that issue. In other words, if you're a pharmaceutical company, what's more profitable, developing a pharmaceutical that will fight cancer, which a lot of people have, or fighting some orphan disease that only a few people have. What's the bigger market? It's going to be cancer, right? 
because there's more people that are dealing with that. That's a shame that it goes that way, but that's that's the way the pharmaceutical business works. So a lot of people were talking uh, this particular thing I was I was seeing about the importance of sponsoring research into these treatments for what's called orphan diseases that are not you know likely to be brought up in the board meetings at pharmaceutical companies. You see what I'm saying? It's a shame that that's the case, but again, from my perspective, it's much more interesting and much more exciting and much more rewarding to look into the natural health ways of treating various things than these pharmaceuticals that most of the time have side effects that are worse than the disease. Oh well, my opinion again. Next item here we're talking about natural sweeteners that are healthy to use. This is a very interesting article. This article uh, is from the Authority Nutrition column that I found in a particular uh, publication. And stevia is number one. He's talking about all these different natural sweeteners. Stevia is number one. Now, it says here stevia is a very popular low-calorie sweetener. I added in there zero-calorie <laughs> It's one of the one of the few sweeteners that is truly zero calories. All right, it is extracted from the leaves of a plant called Stevia rubidiana. The plant has been grown for sweetness and medicinal purposes for centuries in South America. Literally, nearly a thousand or more years that this has been used by man in South America with no after effects, no problems, no uh, contraindications for using this. There are several uh, sweet compounds found in the stevia leaves. The main ones are steviaside and riboticide. Now, I may be mispronouncing that. If, if, if so, I apologize for that. Both are many hundreds of times sweeter than sugar gram for gram. Stevia is very sweet and has virtually no calories. And again, I say no calories. Matter of fact, I have right with me a bottle of stevia. Now, this particular stevia is now brand, now foods. And by the way, best I have found is this particular brand. That's why I have it in my hands because I use it myself. Now, better stevia. And uh, it says right here on the label that it is 100% zero calorie and zero carbohydrates. Now, this is perfect for anybody that's dealing with diabetes or they want to go on a low-carbohydrate diet or anything of that nature. Stevia is awesome. But as it says... It is hundreds of times sweeter than sugar. This is where a lot of people get in trouble when they start trying to use stevia. And by that I mean not health trouble, (laughs) but it can be too sweet. This particular bottle of stevia that I have here in my hand has an eyedropper kind of, you know, device here with it, or or appliance, however you want to say it. And this eyedropper, you get your stevia, you get one drop, just one drop, and put it in your glass of tea. Now, if you like tea, whether it's green tea, which is very good for you, by the way, or black tea, which is what most people think of as tea and what you get in restaurants, you get a glass of tea with ice in it, you take one drop of the stevia, and see if that's not sweet enough for you. If it's not, one more drop is about all you want to put in there because it is so powerfully sweet. 
that unless you're a southern person that likes sweet tea, <laughs> you don't want to put any more in it than that. You see what I'm saying? Now, the amazing thing about stevia is it's not only natural. It's an herb. It's not only zero calories uh, and zero carbohydrates, which is amazing and awesome, but it's actually good for you. The herb itself, stevia, is good for you. If your blood pressure is high, stevia can lower it by 6 to 14%. Stevia has been shown to lower blood sugar levels in diabetics. In other words, the effect of the herb itself can lower your blood sugar. Not just the fact that you're not taking sugar into your body, but it can lower your blood sugar level because of its herbal qualities. There are also studies in rats showing that stevia can improve insulin sensitivity and reduce oxidized LDL cholesterol and reduce plaque built up in the arteries. Now think about that. Reducing plaque in your arteries, reducing the bad cholesterol, and improving your insulin sensitivity. That's pretty amazing that that herb can do that. And it's perfectly sweet and natural and will replace sugar for so many people. I tell you, I love stevia, and that's why I use it myself, and that's why I have a bottle right here with me. (laughs) Didn't plan that. It just happens to be sitting here on my desk. (laughs) All right. Next one, urethitol. Urethitol is another low-calorie sweetener. It is a sugar alcohol that's found naturally in certain fruits. But if you're buying powdered urethitol, it's most likely made by an industrial process, so it's not natural in that sense. But it is a natural sweetener. It contains 0.24 calories per gram, or about 6% of the calories of sugar, with 70% of the sweetness. It's not as sweet as sugar, which makes it very different than stevia in that regard. Erythritol doesn't spike blood sugar or insulin levels and has no effect on biomarkers like uh, cholesterol or triglycerides. It's absorbed into the body from the intestines and is eventually excre- excreted from the kidneys unchanged, in which it just passes through you. Studies show that erythritol is very safe. However, as with other sugar alcohols, it can cause digestive issues if you consume too much at a time. In other words, if something is sweetened with erythritol and you eat too much of it, it can hit your bowels hard, and you'll be running to the restroom with some diarrhea. Sad to say, but true. Not true of stevia. Keep that in mind. But it is true of other sugar alcohols like urethitol. Xylitol. Xylitol is another one. A sugar alcohol with a similar sweetness to sugar. In other words, roughly the same level of sweetness. It contains 2.4 calories per gram are about two-thirds of the caloric value of sugar. Xylitol also appears to have benefits for dental health. This has been known for some time. It reduces the risk of cavities and dental decay. It also will help improve bone density, helping to prevent osteoporosis. Xylitol doesn't raise blood sugar or insulin levels. However, again, as with other sugar alcohols, it can cause digestive issues in high doses. All right. And also you have to be careful of xylitol if you have uh, dogs in the house because it is highly toxic to dogs. I want to mention that too as well. Then Yacon syrup. Uh, Now the author says here, I recently reviewed a rather unique sweetener called Yacon syrup. It is harvested from the Yacon plant which grows natively in the Andes of South America. Well, what is it about South American 
<laughs> plants like stevia and this that that have these sweeteners. But the sweetener has recently become popular as a weight loss supplement because one study found that it caused significant weight loss in overweight women. It is very high in fructoligosaccharides, which function as soluble fibers that feed the good bacteria in the intestine. So it helps the probiotic bacteria in your intestine to thrive. Yacon syrup can also help against constipation and has various benefits due to the high amount of soluble fiber. Don't eat too much at a time, though, because it can cause digestive problems, like the sugar alcohols would, even though this is not strictly a sugar alcohol. Now, what about less bad, quote, sugars like honey? There are several popular sweeteners that health-conscious people often eat instead of sugar. They include coconut sugar, molasses, honey, and maple syrup. And the author here says, I recently wrote an article making the case that they really aren't much different from sugar. Basically, they contain sugar. They may contain s- smaller amounts of fructose, uh, fructose than some uh, tiny amount of nutrients, but your liver really won't be able to tell the difference between them. And that he says here, I want to qualify something here. The harmful effects of sugar depend completely on the context. Most of the studies done on people who are already eating a high-carb, Western junk food diet, which I call SAD, the standard American diet, SAD, okay, uh, a SAD diet for those people, especially those who are overweight and or are insulin resistant, large amounts of sugar are downright toxic. That's what the author says here. There are a few people who might want to avoid sugar-based sweeteners completely. This includes food addicts, binge eaters, and people who are on a low-carb ketogenic diet. Other people that can eat sugar in small amounts, other people can eat sugar in small amounts without any harm. It's still empty calories. It'll still be bad for your teeth, but it won't harm your metabolism, give you fatty liver, end up destroying your health if you're one of those people who eat healthy but like to bake things with healthy ingredients. I don't see a problem using the natural sweeteners like honey as long as the majority of your diet is based on real food. There's your caveat right there. You can have sweeteners like honey that are, you know, less harmful than refined sugar, but that's just a part of your diet, okay? Don't base your whole diet on it. Raw foods, healthy foods, natural foods, that's the way to go. All right, last item here we want to talk about this go-round, and that is peppermint. Peppermint is a healing herb, as I mentioned here in this article. It not only tastes great, it's a healing herb as well. Let's look at some of these uh, uses for peppermint. This is from the Mother Earth News, an article from Mother Earth News. talks about peppermint being a healing herb. It has healing properties. The mini and the mint family pack a whole health wallop. The herb we're looking at presenting is Menthia peperita or peppermint. The common weed, literally, it grows as a weed, uh, is commonly used for its properties as an antibacterial, inhibiting the growth of bacteria, antiseptic applied to the skin to benefit uh, to prevent bacterial growth, and carmative to relieve gas and griping. It is also a mild anesthetic, pain relief without loss of consciousness, and has nervine, calm nervous tension, uh, and nervous uh, nourishing to the nervous system. Sorry about that. <laughs> Reading it, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. 
Let's begin with the easiest, most common form for getting the healing dose of peppermint, a simple cup of peppermint tea. Made by steeping about one tablespoon of the dry herb. Now, keep in mind, this is natural herbal peppermint. The dried herb or two tablespoons of fresh leaves in eight ounces of boiled water for about 15 minutes. It's a lovely remedy for many everyday ailments, including headaches, stomach upset, drinking a cup of peppermint tea, uh, about an hour after meal helps your digest- digestive juices and working when taking prior to eating, and might help you avoid gas pains. It's a mild anesthetic and can soothe the stomach wall and relieve vomiting associated with pregnancy and motion st- sickness. Peppermint can also help to relieve anxiety, maintain your focus, aiding those that deal with daily stress. And while it can be a soothing herb, it also has the opposite function of encouraging circulatory flow and treating lethargy. That's pretty nice. You start feeling kind of a little bit out of it, get some peppermint tea. A cup or two of a stronger brew, say about a tablespoon of herb per eight ounces of water, will offer you a boost without the caffeine hangover. See, some of you may want to consider replacing your coffee with nice peppermint herbal tea. It's a valuable aid for colds and flu. Uh, it Making extra strong dose, letting it steep for an hour or two, is good when you feel a cold coming on. Okay? When you catch it early. Uh, another use for peppermint is for compresses. You can soak a clean towel in the hot steeped herbal tea and it will do wonders for headaches. Just place the towel on your forehead, lie down, and relax. You can use the same method for sunburn. Just allow the towel to cool and replace as needed. In addition to the herb, you can use peppermint essential oils. You know, Essential oils is a whole powerful study in natural health. There's tremendous benefit that can come from essential oils. However, I will give this you know, caveat to that. Essential oils are very, very powerful and are absorbed by your skin, go right into your system. You need to be careful with essential oils. Do a lot of research. Study what you need to use and how much you need to use and what context you need to use it in before you just start lathering yourself with essential oils because it can be very powerful, okay? But you can use the uh, peppermint... uh, essential oil and it will pack a bigger punch than you know the other methods that we've already talked about a drop massaged into each temple eases headaches be sure to wash your hands afterwards because you do not want to get it into your eyes if you do washing your eyes out with cool water will usually help because of its antiseptic properties a couple of drops of oil and a minor kitchen burn or scrape can help sterilize the skin and ease the pain pretty powerful stuff. Uh, the author also says that they keep a bar of peppermint soap in the shower. There's nothing like the magic of mint in a steamed bath or shower. It lifts my spirits and is soothing for skin rashes. Rashes. So, lots of benefits from the natural healing herb called peppermint. Okay? So, hope this information has been beneficial to you, been helpful to you. Don't forget that this very podcast is heard on Word of Faith Radio, and I encourage you to listen to it. Uh, the gentleman who is, is playing that has all of our past episodes, and so, you know, that's uh, 
at this point, this will be episode number 62. So that's 62 episodes that he has available and is playing them on the station every week, Sundays at 3 p.m. Uh, in the afternoon Eastern time. So I encourage you to check that out. And just I'm excited about the fact that the natural health information is getting out there. All right. Well, I trust you enjoyed the netcast. Join us again next time. Remember, as I always say, you are the person most responsible for your health.